podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast, our last episode from the group stage. India were utterly dominant once more today. They scored 410 off their 50. There were hundreds from Shreyas Iyer and Kale Rahul. And the defence had the feel of an exhibition match at times with all of Kohli, Gil, Rohit and Surya Kumar Yadav turning their arms over. India finished the group stage unbeaten. Will anyone be able to stop them next week in the knockouts? I'm Yazrana and with me today is Ben Gardner. Ben, probably not an exaggeration to say that this might be the greatest mismatch in terms of financial resources in World Cup history. The might of India um, in the IPL era against a Dutch side for whom cricket is not yet a mainstream sport back home. They're not a full member nation. So the result and the margin of victory don't really come as a, as a massive surprise, but it was generally a very smooth performance from India once more, especially with the bat. Yeah, I mean, we were talking yesterday about that Australia game being the perfect semi-final prep. And this was just similar for, for India. And also especially just in how they managed to get everyone into the game. Like it's not, um, you know, you'd sometimes see it in or back in the early 2000s when someone played a test match against Bangladesh, they would retire players out so that people could be getting guys in the middle. They didn't need to do that, but it did feel like, okay, you've got your 50. Now the next one gets to go, okay, you've got your 50. And this was... Uh, so joint, a joint world record in terms of 50 plus scores, all the top five getting there. And um, and yeah, if, if you'd have wanted anyone, if anyone would have wanted anyone to get that 100, I guess maybe maybe Gil, he's had a slightly quieter campaign, but but Shreyas Iyer, who is, um, I feel like in some ways is the player of that top order with most to prove and is going quite a long way to proving it with his with his recent run of form. So yeah, that, that, was, that was everything. And you kind of felt that if they wanted to, they kind of could have blown the Dutch away with the ball and instead just were like, yeah, Cody, we're, we're at the Bengaluru, you have a go. And then enjoyed that so much when he got that wicket struggled down the leg side that um, they then just got, got all the other part-timers in it. And, and in the end, it was almost a surprise that Shreyas I didn't have a bowl um, and maybe if Rohit hadn't taken a wicket, then he might have done, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the way that Rohit and Gil come out of the blocks, it's almost like they have a head start every time they come out to bat. They pretty much went at 10 and over across the opening power play. Um, Rahul and Ayer were both brilliant. And I thought some of the hitting from Rahul in particular was some of the best we've seen at the tournament. He reached three figures in uh, 62 balls, the fastest 100 by an India player at the World Cup. If you go through the numbers of the India top five at the World Cup so far, it's just staggering. Kohli, 594 runs at 99, 750 plus scores from nine innings. Ayer, 421 runs at 70, striking at 106. And he's a guy who's got a little bit of pressure for his place before his game. Kale Rahul, 349 runs at 69. Rohit is averaging 55 at a strike rate of 121. And even Gill, who's had a relatively quiet competition, is still pretty much averaging 40 with a strike rate of 105. They just seem to have all the all the bases covered in the, in, in the batting department. And I think they complement each other really well as a batting lineup. Um, the, the openers go go really hard. And then Kohli and Ayer, I feel like it's almost underappreciated how hard it is to actually just score at the rates that they score at, but in such a safe way. Both of them seem very comfortable at batting you know, 20, 25 overs a game. Um, and obviously we've talked a lot about 
Um, the danger of India's tail getting exposed and Surya Kumar's not in, in great nick at number six. So it is still quite important for India to, to preserve wickets. And I think Kohli and I, despite how good their numbers are, probably don't get enough credit for how they've, um, I guess, saved that from happening because we've not yet seen the India low order properly exposed yet. Yeah, and I guess thinking about that that tail, it's tempting to think, oh, is this the same as 2019 when, you know, one good new ball spell and that'll be, you know, in, in danger of being routed. But that was different. You know, that may, may that will happen. Who knows? But that, that was different in that then it was the top three had been so dominant and it was actually like four down that you weren't super sure about. Whereas now it's like, and your day just back in a bit of form, it's kind of eight down you're worried about. And that that is just less of a worry. And yeah, uh, I, I'll talk about a bit more about him, but Kara Hall as well. He's just the perfect Odo number five, isn't he? In terms of like, he he can do all the different roles you'd want him to. And that does include hitting as big as he did. I mean, what, that was 62 balls, was it? Which is India's fastest World Cup 100. Um, and he's a really, really sweet time of the ball when, uh, kind of when he wants to be and when he needs to be. Uh, that was especially the one six sort of over square leg that didn't have much muscle in it. It was just sort of, uh, yeah, just a sweetly timed bit of a swish. And he kind of has that, that like that glazed look almost that goes over his eyes when he uh, when he really connects with one and yeah I uh, I guess there has been like that little bit of pressure and I guess a lot of it just becomes down to this discussion with uh, how he plays the short ball and he actually got a bit a bit tetchy in a press conference um, a few games ago it, but while he did it he kind of conceded that yeah his record against the short ball might not be as good as it should be so someone said that asked him about the short ball troubling him. And he pushed back saying that it troubled him, but also said that he gets out to it because he attacks it and he might have got out to it more, but kind of saying that that was just kind of a, you know, you've got to, you've got to get out somewhere and it happens I've got more some short balls. I mean, that, that, that question is, is still sort of sort of there. I mean, I don't think you'd back him as, you know, one of the best players in the world if you were, if the semi-final was taking place at, at the Wacker against Mitchell Johnson in his prime. But... He does have lots of qualities that make him an excellent ODI number four, including his playing and spin, especially. And he just happens to be the, 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 you know, the least bright light in a top five that is, you know, as good as, you know, pretty much any that's still in the tournament, right? So, um, yeah, they, they, they have all the bases covered in that top six. And, and in if, in not just in terms of you have six good players, but that they, they do complement each other really well and... Uh, there is a very clear plan with how they're going to go about their innings, which will make them very hard to stop, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on about KL Rahul at number five. There are potentially some more destructive number fives out there, but I think his ability to react to different situations is probably above every other number five currently. I mean, England's number five when they won the World Cup four years ago was Ben Stokes, and I'd say they're, they're two quite similar players, even if they're stylistically very different, I think, in terms of what they can offer um, and how you know your your you know Rahul has opened for almost the majority of his international career, so you're very comfortable him coming in as he did against Australia against the new ball if he has to. Equally, he's one of the best death hitters in the world as well. So very few players are are that good at, at both those things. Um, Neil asks, after watching Coley, was England's big mistake not bowling more wrong-footed medium filth from Harry Brook? Um, there's a lot of lot of part-time stuff that we saw today, Ben. Um, Mohamed Siraj went off the field for a significant portion of the game after um, taking a ball to the throat, actually, um, whilst dropping a catch. So we saw the four part-timers. And again, one of the potential weaknesses in this India side is that none, none of the top six 
really bowl. So if there is an injury to one of the main five bowlers, um, someone who doesn't do a lot of bowling in international cricket has to bowl. Um, it was quite fun. Uh, it didn't really feel like we were in a World Cup match for all of it. But if you had to rank the four part-timers, uh, first we had Kohli, then Gil, then Surya Kumar, then Rohit. Um, How do you go about it? Are we ranking in terms of, of quality or pure entertainment value? Um, you can do both. Okay. okay. But I think, I think ser- seriously, we should do quality because it's not totally unfeasible that one of these guys is bowling um, three to four overs in a World Cup final next week. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in terms of... Okay, well, let's do entertainment value first, though, still. Uh, and number one is is Kohli by a long distance. I mean, that, that bowling action is it's kind of so bad it's good, isn't it? Like, um, uh, it's, it's it's wrong for... The arm ends up sort of, like, between his legs. Uh, it's sort of like a, a weird kind of squat thing, almost as if he's... Uh, it's, it's almost like he's um, he's not got any toilet paper in his cubicle and he's having to sort of, like, squat and move around to grab something and come back. That's the position he ends up in. But I can see how it's like it's sort of weirdly effective. I mean, he can get a reasonable amount of movement. It's almost like so slow you can see him getting catched on the boundary. Like I'm not saying Virat Kohli all rounder, uh, but I do kind of think that like as a weird sort of change option, I can see like why he'd be quite annoying to face. Um, no, I I totally agree with you. Um, I think the the other three are more conventional part-time off-breaks bowlers that you, you, you see quite a lot of. Um, and, you know, you saw how uh, Nida Manuru hit um, Siri Kumar, for example. I think um, he's, he's a good player. And I think even better players will uh, take the attacking option earlier on um, against the, the three off-break bowlers. But I thought Kohli, it is a totally unique action and he bowls off the wrong foot, but also he, he he's releasing the ball in such a odd way we were trying we were having the discussion today like is it seam is it spin and it comes out at a very awkward pace it's slightly quicker than a spin bowler but also significantly less than what you'd expect for a medium base bowler so it is just so weird that I think it'd be he'd be harder to attack from ball one I think yeah and you might I can see teams how if he did have to bowl a 10 over spell they would work out over the course of a spell okay this is how I take him down and then they do it but maybe if he bowls three overs, that's not quite enough time to to actually figure out that kind of that slightly odd puzzle. But yeah, with the rest, they were more conventional off-break bowlers. Uh, Sky especially has got a bit of bit of work to do. Um, I mean, that in terms of being called Sky, I mean it was it was flighted and it was it was touching the touching the stadium roof, wasn't it? Um, uh, so yeah, and then who was the uh, kill? His, his his were okay. His were passable. I guess he's almost like. If, it, if you get to a really, really, really weird situation where the pitch is turning loads more than you have expected it to and you haven't picked Ashwin and you kind of you kind of just want three more overs of spin from anyone, he'd probably be the one you'd go to, I think. I mean, over Rohit, possibly. No, I, I think I think Rohit, if you if you to pick one of the three off-break bowlers, I think I'd go Rohit. Okay, I guess, I guess like his more, wicket more, more did turn spin. a little bit, actually, didn't it? So Yeah. 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 That, that's um, yeah. Anyway, that's enough chat about Rohit Sharma's offspin. Um, Alex asks, how much better would the group stage be if the last round of fixtures were played at the same time, like in the Premier League? The glorious mayhem of coaches doing net run rate calculations on the sidelines, uh, cheers going around the stadium when a rival loses a wicket, etc. Um, it, it is a good idea. I've no idea what it looked like from a um, television experience, I think. Yeah, but then I think 
sometimes I think that sporting competitions need to trust that if you create a competition with strong amount of sporting integrity, it will just lead to entertainment. So this, I think this has been slightly diminished because they wanted to have, you know, every game sort of on TV and, and given its own place. But that, that does lead to odd situations. Like you, it didn't happen. Maybe it wasn't that likely to have happened, but even like at the start of this last round of fixtures, it could have been that, India could have guaranteed a semi-final against the Netherlands by losing two Netherlands. And that is bad. And it would have been a bad look if if they'd even gone into the game with that being a situation. And, you know, the Pakistan game, for example, would have been more exciting if they hadn't known what was going on in the New Zealand game and had just needed to beat England by lows rather than by this ridiculous thing. And, and yeah, so I, I think that going for something that just would absolutely hold up from a, a competitive point of view I think you do often see that it actually leads to excitement as well. So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. And I guess we're going back to, uh, well, if we go to groups of seven next time, that'll be hard to uh, hard to ensure because we've got an, an odd number there. But, yeah, that, that would have been nice if it didn't happen, I guess. Mm. Um, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll talk a little bit about the Netherlands and the two semifinals. Ben, how do you think the Dutch will reflect on this tournament? They finished last in the end, but they did have a reasonable chance of qualifying for the Champions Trophy, which they didn't take. Um, but they also finished with two wins, including one over semi-finalists. Um, so quite quite a strange tournament, the, the, the one non-full member being there finishing last, but actually doing okay and probably will think they could have done more. Yeah, I guess there's there's two games they'll look back on as missed opportunity, especially that that first game against Pakistan when they they took some early wickets and then even then kept Pakistan to a total which at the time I think we thought would be too much and ended up being too much in that game. But if they played that game again now, you'd think, oh, maybe they would actually have an okay chance of chasing two or whatever it was. And similarly against Sri Lanka, they put up a decent fist, didn't get quite enough runs. But if they get 20 more, that's a really good a really good game. It's also just odd because if you think back to some World Cup upsets in the past, they've either come in like maybe like freak conditions or there's been someone who's put in like the performance of a lifetime. Um, and there's something you can say that like, that's that's weird. That's why that's happened. That wasn't really the case with Netherlands upsets. Like it wasn't like they, they had players who played well. It wasn't like they had absolutely standout game of their lives type things. Uh, they just, you know, the bowlers all bowled well as a unit and they had contributions throughout the batting order that got them up to to, to good totals um, and that's the same if you look through their whole campaign they didn't have anyone have an absolute standout but they had lots of players who had who acquitted themselves pretty well and while that'll be frustrating from some points of view because I think oh, if we had just a couple guys in the form of their lives for this for this two months then we could have really done something in this tournament equally it is quite encouraging for, for the future of, of Dutch cricket. Um, I guess the shame is, is that the uh, the World Cup Super League no longer exists. So those chances to test themselves against the very best in the world will be fewer and farther between uh, going into the next World Cup. So, so what is next for, for Dutch cricket? Because I, I worry that for how well they've done, they're not going to get the opportunities that they deserve. You know, for example, England leave this World Cup and go straight to, um, they play eight white ball games against West Indies, a team that Netherlands qualified ahead of to get to this tournament um you know today they're they're up against Rohit and Kohli's India they beat potential world champion South Africa fair and square earlier in the World Cup it feels like they deserve to have quite a lot of cricket 
against the big teams. Um, I know our colleague Abhishek Mukherjee has written quite a lot about Afghanistan this tournament and said that um, they've done so well considering they just basically never play the top teams. I mean, Afghanistan actually, in the four years leading up to this World Cup, I don't think played a single ODI before the Asia Cup against a side that finished in the semi-finals. Um, Netherlands, slightly different because of the World Cup Super League. I think they had a slightly different fixture list, but it's, it's broadly the same picture. And without the World Cup Super League, it'll be even more extreme, even fewer fixtures against the big sides. Yeah, and I guess they're... Their, their, their plight is kind of just explained by that situation before the World Cup, where they were basically pleading on social media for anyone to play an ODI series against them. And in the end, had to have warm-up games against an India state side. That was the only one they could find who'd, who'd play them. I mean, it is worth saying that they're going to go back into Cricket World Cup League Two, which forms part of the qualification pathway to the next World Cup. And that is properly competitive cricket and actually in a really fun format as well. So you play basically a, a series of ODI tri-series, which all feed into a, a wider league table. Um, and, you know, teams, cut, you see, you, when we think back to the qualifier this year, you think about the quality in that and how competitive some of the teams who weren't even in the Super League were, you know, how how close Scotland came to qualifying. Um, uh, that is evidence of the virtues of that competition so they will have that but yeah you just hope that I mean it's just it's just it's just not going to happen but there is such an argument for you know expanding the strength of the world game for the bigger teams because like yeah I I don't understand why this case isn't put forward more surely it's in everyone's interest for more people to like and watch cricket Mm. and if you're a casual sports fan in the Netherlands um, intrigued by the World Cup intrigued by the win over South Africa there's nothing to hook you in for quite a long time because I agree that the the world the, the World Cup Super League Two is is really good It's really good cricket but it's hard to follow um, the the broadcast quality isn't as, as high as it is during the, during the 50 over World Cup um, you know you're not playing against huge cricket nations the stories there are really cool they're really interesting but they're less headline worthy they're they're going to get less cut through than um, a, a series against England potentially. And yeah, you know, I think Dirt Nanez on commentary was talking about it um, at a couple of times during the tournament. Why don't teams come to the Netherlands um, either side of of a tour of of England? Um, You know, as we saw during the World Cup, Netherlands will give you good games. You know, we'll get to it later, but Netherlands are actually only one of four sides to score 250 against India for one. You know, it's um, they're they're, they're a good side and it it is surely, as you say, better for the global game. Um, for teams like the Netherlands who've shown that they're good enough in terms of quality to get more and more opportunities. Yeah, you, you'd love, I mean, we've talked about it on the pod before, but I'd also just love for that, for there to be that four nations thing. I, I think it just must, it can't be that expensive to do to fly, you know, 60 blokes out to a ground for a couple of weeks uh, and play play eight ODIs in, in, in that stretch. Is that how many it would be? I think so. Uh, and just and just get that all done. That It would be so much fun. It would be really good, and it would benefit everyone involved. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that as well, In, inclu- including England, who uh, complained about sort of, sort of have identified they didn't play enough fifty-over cricket in the lead-up to this tournament. Ben, India will play in that first semi-final against New Zealand at the One KD. What is the route to a possible New Zealand win? Yeah, hard to think of an example of uh, New Zealand being unfancied facing India, who topped the World Cup group stages. In a in a World Cup semi final, but as you say, I think there. it is it is different to 2019. This India side is is even stronger than it was 
in 2019. And I think you're right to say as well that that, that batting order was so lopsided in, in favour of the top three back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that, yeah, the, the route is, if you look at how India, how New Zealand played against India in the group stage, actually, like, in a way, I suppose, they gave, they came the closest to, to beating them. It wasn't, you know, it was what with an over to spare in the end. And India had a bit of an off day, especially in the field, dropping a lot of catches. Um, New Zealand didn't quite get on top of any of the bowlers, but equally they, um, oh no, against Kuldeep Yadav, maybe they, they they did manage to get some some runs of him. So so, that you, so so maybe if you if you concede, you're not going to get a massive total, and so you play out Bumrah, for example, because of that. You think okay, if we get hold of one or two of the others, we can get up to actually a decent total, and then we can just put some pressure on the ball. That then you're only you know they go hard on the power play. That can work both ways. This tournament has mostly just worked one way, but then maybe you can get a couple early wickets. And then you just got the pressure on, and then you're at least in the game. Like India might still, you know, put together partnerships, uh, get up to uh, get up to your total, but you give yourself a chance by doing that. I think it's almost as much as like you do have to to pick your bowlers, and that's as much about your bowlers to play out as it is to attack. Um, and just remembering that they are going to do lots of very good things with very good players, so not getting you know downhearted when you bowl a really good ball and and Kohli blocks it or guys are down to third man for a single or uh, when, you know, you've got guys flying on 70 and then Boomer comes on and bowls, you know, the Yorker from hell and gets you out. It's about like not letting those things snowball. I guess it, it is really, really tough. I suppose the other thing as well, as we saw with the part-timers today, is that um, if you do get on top of a bowler, they are going to have to bowl 10 overs almost certainly. And this isn't how you beat India, but how India could lose is if one of those bowlers does happen to, you know, roll an ankle in the field or whatever, uh, that is the risk they have taken with the balance of their 11 now that Hardik Pandra is injured. Yeah, I know. I also think that it's just that, that bowling attack has been so good this tournament and, and they win, I feel with bat and ball, they win a lot of games in just the first 10 overs of an innings. Um, we saw that in the England game, obviously taking four wickets with a new ball. Um, I think just, just blunting India's new ball threat and especially if you're batting second, we've seen that conditions vary quite a lot quite quickly it's really can be quite difficult against a new ball under lights but then when dew becomes more of a factor towards the back half of the innings batting can be quite a lot easier so if you're batting second against india i guess you'd say you don't you almost do the opposite of what india do with the bat you just sort of just try and get through that new ball without um having too much damage um inflicted on you i mean just looking through the the, the numbers of india players this tournament i went through the batters earlier but Boomer has played all nine games, rolled 72 overs. He's averaging 15 with an economy rate of 3.65. Jadeja, um, also an ever-present, 16 wickets at 18, economy of 3.97. Kuldeep, 14 wickets at 22, uh, economy rate of 4.15. Shami, obviously, averaging nine, uh, economy rate of under five. And even Siraj, who's had a relatively quiet tournament, he's still averaging under 30. And even though he's had a couple of days where he's been a little bit more expensive, he's still only going at 5.2 and over. So they've been such a difficult bowling. It's, it's very hard to identify who the person to attack is if there isn't um, someone rolling their ankle in the morning. Yeah, I mean, that that is mad. The Boomerage Age thing, especially like two guys who no team is managing to not lose wickets against. I mean, what, they're, they're averaging a combined like four for 80, are they, from their 20 overs? Uh, if not better, quite, yeah. Which is maybe, maybe a bit better than that. I think maybe basically five for 80 between the two of them. That that is ridiculous, um, and you haven't even touched on 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 Rohit Sharma bowling average of seven strikes per five, uh, so. <laughs> and and Kohli um, 
Bowling average of 15, economy of 4.28. Uh, yeah, batting average of 99. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, a massive week. Uh, one that I'm really looking forward to. Um, that is everything for today. Cheers, Ben. We'll be back for our weekly episode at the same time tomorrow. Podcast Network.